0: listening to the marginally geeky show, the epically geeky book club.
1: Greetings, and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight, we will be discussing our book for uh, January, which was Star Wars: Catalyst, a Rogue One story. Uh, before we get started though, let's just kind of catch up with, with everyone. Uh, joining me tonight is, uh, Jennifer Hetzel and, uh, Chris Andrew, how are y'all doing? I'm okay.
0: Good.
2: How
1: are you? I've been better. Uh, still getting over a sinus infection. We were discussing at the beginning of the episode, but, uh, yeah, just, yeah, if we can just get to feeling better, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be happy. <laughs> I'm tired of being sick. Me too. Yeah. You said you had a uh, you were getting over strep and bronchitis. Oh dear.
2: yes, yeah. At the same time, it was awesome. Ew.
1: yeah. It it doesn't yeah. help that here uh, locally where we're at, uh, Chris, the temperature in the morning is starting off at forty and going getting up to seventy. It's just oh like,
0: wow, that's a yeah, huge fluctuation. It,
1: it is a huge fluctuation, and it you know everyone's allergies are messed up yeah. and sinuses. Yeah. and
0: you need a good cold snap kill everything off.
1: Oh god, yes, we wish. So, (laughs) it's definitely, it's definitely good weather to stay inside and read instead of going outside and doing other stuff because it's just like asking to get sick right now. So, Mm -hmm. but, uh speaking of uh speaking of such let's go ahead and just and dive on into our our book for this week uh or for this month uh we picked Star Wars Catalyst because of course the movie Star Wars Rogue One came out uh, last month uh this book is a prequel to uh that story It fills in uh, a lot of the information for the movie um before we get started um did anyone has anyone read the book and then gone back and watched the movie
2: no. Okay, I saw yep. the movie before I read the book, but I did not watched it again.
0: Yeah, that's what I did. I would like to watch the movie after I finish reading it.
1: So. I would agree. Yeah, I think I, – and I see whenever it originally came out, when this book originally uh, uh, dropped, it was at the beginning of December. And I could have read it beforehand if I had like really buckled down and gotten to it, uh, but I opted not to. I wanted to go into the movie – uh, not really knowing a lot of the backstory. I actually wanted to kind of be surprised. Um, mm-hmm. But now that I've read it, I, I would say, yeah, uh, I definitely would like to go back and, and rewatch the movie and see what I pick up now that, you know, that the book added to it. So
0: you'd probably get more out of it. You'd, yeah. you'd uh, notice more too.
1: Well, the, the the book starts off, it's set during the Clone Wars. Um, uh, Galen and uh, Lyra are uh, on this ice planet. They're researching energy production using, um, uh, uh, grown crystals. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, it really kind of just hits the ground running. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lyra is pregnant with Jen, who of course is, um, our, uh, our main heroine in, in, uh, Rogue One. Uh, at that time she's pregnant with her. Uh, this military sh- force shows up and, uh, basically the aliens that are there are like you know look we're going you know we'll talk to them we'll keep them occupied y'all get the hell out of here yeah um so that we go through this this whole uh, um escapade of, of trying to get away with one of these droids um and unfortunately though um you know when they're trying to escape they almost get away and they get caught um Number 1 the the writing on this part uh was really exciting like I really enjoyed this this kind of high speed chase uh as they were going through along with you know uh with the droid um I I've read several Star Wars books and this is the first time that I've 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 seen something like this specifically like a chase like this uh come up in one of them at least the, of the ones that I've read I really enjoyed that part of it so uh, let's see here. So uh, the military force shows up. Uh, they try to escape, you know, uh, but they're caught. Um, and at this point they're separated. Um, and they're trying to convince Galen to declare a side on the war. Um, but he refuses to. And this is where we start to get some of the backstory and, and kind of the viewpoint of Galen. It talks about in the book, how uh, he is a genius. He's very much in his own head though. Mm-hmm. He, um, um, uh, Lyra talks about a lot of the times she has to, uh, kind of coax him back out of his thought process is kind of, he kind of spirals when he does stuff. Um, but he's also very not, he has no interest in, in declaring one side, you know, of, a, of an allegiance or whatever. Um, he's more, he's for science. That's all there is to it. They're science. And there's his wife, and now his da- there's his daughter, and that's pretty much it. That's the only things he cares about the, mm-hmm. the war, um, uh, the, the different it's sides, a, the political stuff. He doesn't care for.
2: I mean, he's he's a pacifist, and he has a really strong moral compass, which I really liked about his character. Is, you know, he was he was very anti violence and anti using his work unethically, and I thought that was a good, a nice spin, especially considering what he ends up having to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, at this, it's at this point, like I said, they're separated. He's not treated horribly. He's also not treated that great. Um, but, uh, uh, Lyra is, is taken care of and she ends up having Jen. He is allowed to, uh, go see her, uh, which I think would pretty much drive him insane. You know, any father would be driven insane if that was the case. Um, and then, uh, at this point, um, this is where it, it it switches gears, and we kind of start, you know, we we, uh, we leave them for a little bit, and we switch over, and we see, and I thought this was interesting, and my brother was telling me about this beforehand. Um, we see the Republic. Now, you have to keep in mind that this is during the Clone Wars era, but we see the Republic is showing off early stages of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, it was created by Count Dooku and the Separatists, and we do see that in... Oh, that was the end of, uh, end of, uh, Attack of the Clones. Uh, they're getting off of the planet and they have the little, uh, the the 3d model that shows up. Um, and you know, they're kind of showing this off and it's like, uh, they get to talking about it that, um, the Jedi do not know about this. They are the, the Republic is keeping this from the Jedi, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which, um, like I said, my brother and I talked about this a little bit earlier and it, it, it you, you know, if you just go by the movies themselves, it really seems like, uh, you know, the, the Jedi are the, uh, re, you know, the defenders of the Republic and then just all, you know, and there is some kind of shady stuff going on, but it's all on the side of, of the emperor, you know, who's secretly, you know, also, uh, 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 the chancellor. <coughs> Pardon me. and, all of a sudden we start to see like, Hey, it's not just him. Like there are the people in the Republic who are doing some really shady stuff. Like, Hey, let's start building this giant war machine. Um, so that, that was that by itself, I thought was an interesting little, you know, addition to it. Um, it, it definitely gives it a little more depth. It's not just the one, it's not just the emperor's plan. It's, it's, Hey, you know, there's some other wheels going on back there. So,
0: um,
1: so then we go back and um, – uh, I'm sorry. We're still there. and This is when we're introduced to uh, Krennic. Uh, Krennic's the main bad guy in the uh, in, in Rogue One. Um, and this is when we get introduced to him. And basically he's interested in trying to get Galen on for the Death Star weapons. Um, he's, he's very political. He's trying to figure out – and it talks about this. He really wants to become – have a seat basically in the Emperor's Court. Um so he's he knows about this plan for building the death star he's wants to try to get uh uh Galen on board. He knows that's not gonna happen, but the first thing he's got to do is getting broke- you know broke out in in the first place um so he starts contacting people and he contacts a smuggler to basically um uh, help get him off the planet so he goes in and rescues him uh him and Lyra and and Jen so they're rescued. And uh, at this point, um, let me see. Let me check my notes. Um, Galen's home world is under siege. You know, he's saying that uh, that uh, you know the war has come to his home planet, and that it's, it's Krennic's way of basically showing him. You know, look, I know you're a pacifist. I know you don't want to clear sides, but you can't escape this war. This war is going to consume everything. Your home planet has now been consumed with war. Uh, you know, you need to step up and do something to help. Uh, but, you know, Galen basically is just like, you know, we'll survive. It, it's fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep going. Um, which doesn't really sit well with Critic by any means. Um, it's at this point that, um, he visits the Geonosian Archduke. This is Critic going to see it. Uh, the the Oceans, if you remember, are the kind of insectoid, uh, 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 aliens that were in um, Attack of the Clones, they were the ones that were helping to build the droid army. And after the uh, the war on Geonosis, uh, a lot of their generals have been and, and uh, 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 higher caliber uh, uh, leaders have been captured. Um, so he goes to ven- uh, visit this Geonosian archduke and basis- basically discusses having him build the Death Star uh, for the Republic instead of Dooku. Um, and it talks about, and this adds a lot of backstory to the Geonosians because the Geonosians are just kind of, you know, we see them as this like insectoid type, uh, uh, race, but, um, it talks about that in order for them to be happy, to be prosperous, uh, prosperous, they have to have some kind of a project. They have to work. They have to, uh, kind of like how you would think, a, a a bee or an ant colony would be very much along those lines. So that kind of adds a lot of depth to them. Um, and basically he's like, you know, look, this would basically, this would help us out instead of building it for, uh, uh, Dooku. You're going to be building it for the Republic. This is going to help your people, people out. It's going to give them something to do, give them something to live for. They'll be able to, you know, work and live on the base. And they basically strike up a deal. So, um, it's at this point that we switch back over. Galen is starting to meet up with some of his old friends, Uh, that were scientists Um, and they're all working for different factions or different groups within the Republic. Uh, Most of them are doing things like uh, energy production. um, um, Well, mostly energy production of different sorts, but they're all like, it's all super secret. No one can really talk to each other. They can't really share what it is they're working on. Like, you know, the one is talking about how um, she's trying to work on uh, uh, improving shields. Um, Mm -hmm. Which of course would work along with the Death Star. That's what eventually she would be working on. She doesn't know that. Galen doesn't know that. They can't talk about it. So we start seeing a bunch of these, um, uh, a bunch of these groups that are working, but they can't talk. You know, no one except for the very higher ups like Trinic, no one has any clue about exactly what all's going on. So, uh, any thoughts up to this point?
0: I have read up to this point.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs>
0: I I think I would have uh had an easier time reading it if I if this wasn't the first Star Wars book I'd ever read. Like I know nothing about the Clone Wars. Um I only know what I've seen in the movies, so I'm missing big chunks of like, oh that's really interesting. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like I don't know why that's relevant. (laughs) Or why this could be said. So I think it's a little bit harder to get through because there's so much information. Right. That's important for, because you're saying it fills in the story. It, it brings in different, uh, lights to certain situations. And I'm just like, when, when I don't know, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of information. I feel like I need a flow chart. Oh
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. It is a lot of information. That yeah. being said, I mean, I have. I'm just now starting to watch the clone wars. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good stuff about the, the cartoon series that is, um, but yeah, just the stuff that I, I, I read was filling in stuff for me from the movies, and just you know some other stuff that I've talked to to people about or whatever. So I'm sure as I keep going through the Clone Wars, it'll start it'll fill in even more stuff. So uh, any thoughts yeah. for this thing, Jen?
2: Um, yeah, so I haven't seen the Clone Wars either, but I have kind of been a student of Star Wars my whole life. But um, I I agree this was even for me a lot to take in, and and my biggest struggle was um reconciling the timeline because Mm -hmm. we're so used to seeing either like before or after and this was like during the transformation from republic to empire Mm -hmm. and it you know i kept thinking to myself okay the emperor no wait he's not the emperor yet um you know or or thinking they're building this for the bad guys but then i have to remind myself the bad guys are actually who we're thinking are the good guys, you know, and they haven't switched over. So that part was a little confusing to me because, you know, the Republicans up being the bad guys, but we think they're the good guys and, you know, okay. Separatists I, or. Good.
0: That wasn't just me. Cause I was, I had to ask. Yeah. Like, okay. Wait a minute. Now I'm just getting thoroughly confused. Who the hell is the Republic? What's up with the separatists? I <laughs> thought this was going on. So, okay, good.
2: I'm not the only one. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah no, no, no. It's, it's it, it is definitely confusing. Um, yeah. it let's,
2: remembering that the separatists were actually just puppets of Mm -hmm. the, the chancellor the whole time, but it's still, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's like, it's mind boggling to think how much he had to coordinate and orchestrate. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: The, uh, yeah, I agree about trying to keep the timeline straight. I mean, cause it's, when it comes to the movies, there's the prequels, which are their own kind of separate little bubble. And then there's, you know, the, the original, um, and and this book takes place between episodes 2 and 3 okay okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then i'm i think i think that i think the entire book takes place during episodes between episodes 2 and 3 and then of course we don't you know uh uh a uh, rogue one takes place three between 3 and 4 right cuz you know we have to keep in mind that jen is is you know, a kid, except of course at the very beginning of, of, of Rogue One. If you haven't seen, by the way, if you haven't seen Rogue One, you shouldn't be listening to this. Spoiler. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the very beginning of Rogue One, we see Jen, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, her parents or whatever, when she's small. And then we see, uh, you know, the, the rest of the story takes place right up to before episode four. And, and, you know, she's an adult. Um, but yeah, trying to keep the, the, the timeline, uh, straight was a little difficult. Uh, just as a side note, like I said, I've started watching The Clone Wars, and I'm starting to see characters that were just kind of randomly thrown into some of the movies or such, like especially some of the, the, the Jedi. And uh, I had a conversation with my friend Cyrus um, just a week or so ago, and um, uh, he asked if I had shown my boys the original 1986 Transformers movie, which was devastating to us as kids because we saw so many of our heroes – Uh, die on screen. And I told him, I said, I don't think it'd be that big a deal for my boys because of this, that, and the other. Now that I'm starting to watch this clone Wars cartoon, I got to thinking about it. And I thought, if I start watching this with my boys, going back and trying to show them episode three, revenge of the Sith, that's going to be their heartbreak moment because there are a lot of characters in that movie Mm -hmm. that literally show up just to get killed off. And it's just like, Plus, and, and like we we're talking about, this is kind of where I'm folding this all back into is the fact that, you know, in the Clone Wars, you're following, uh, you're following following the Clone Army and the Jedi, and those are the good guys. And then literally they turn on a dime in Episode 3, and now they're the bad guys. And it's okay. just like, yeah. So, but yeah, trying to keep all that together and, and, and you know, straight was definitely one of those things. Because I did slip, and I kept thinking, I was like, okay, now when is this happening? Oh, that's right. This is when this is happening. So,
0: Yeah. You got to keep, it's hard to sort of keep it all straight.
1: Yeah. All but right. So, are, but
2: the Jedi are still around as hmm. part of it. And then they're not. And it's just, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, wait a minute. I take that back. So I guess this does technically happen because he talks about at this point, they've already started raiding the Jedi temple and stuff. So I guess this does, a lot of this does actually take place. um, now wait a minute.
2: <laughs> this it's has so to be
1: over during episode three because they start. Okay, yes. Yeah. So this book actually does take place over episode three because he isn't the emperor at first, and then later on in the book he is the emperor. And
2: well, the Darth Jedi Vader have been defeated. And, a thing too. Yeah, uh,
1: that you're right. So okay, it was so after
2: three, I think. Yeah. See, so it
1: is it's confusing as hell. <laughs> so that's okay. So it, yeah. So yeah, this actually takes place. Before, during, and a little bit after episode three. All right. All right. Okay.
0: Here we go. Jeez, that's a lot <laughs> of stuff. Okay.
1: So, um, at this point, we, we are introduced to another old favorite character, and that's Tarkin. Tarkin shows up. Uh, he's not a Grand Moff at this point. He's basically a general. Um, and he starts questioning Galen. He's asking him, you know, basically his <laughs> to uh to the Republic, and... Uh, unbeknownst to Krennic who unfortunately did not really want this to happen. He pardons him. He's basically like, well, you know, you're obviously not a traitor or, you know, helping anyone else or whatever. So he pardons him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Krennic was going to try to use that to his advantage to get, you know, Hey, if you really want out of the situation, you know, you might want to declare and and help out. But unfortunately, you know, he kind of slipped out that way. It's at this point, we also start seeing that, uh, Tarkin and Krennic do not care for each other at all. In fact, mm-hmm. they're uh, they're political rivals. Um, Krennic is put in, is basically overseeing the uh, Death Star build mm-hmm. on Geonosis. So he's spending a lot of time there going back and forth, taking care of all these little piddly things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Galen at this point is starting to run out of money and options. So he decides to take a job on a planet. Um and a lot of time passes during this. Um, so the, uh, the archduke of the Geonosians basically leaves Krennic and meets up with Dooku. Um, so at this point, obviously it's not episode three because Duku's still alive. Otherwise he, you know, walking around with that, with that head. Um, yeah, Galen, Lyra and Jen are, get under attack in the streets at this, on this planet that, uh, Galen's working at. Um, and oh, that's what it is. And as they are under attack, they are literally there's no one, there's nothing left. There's no protection. There's a bunch of battle droids, and they all power down. And that's literally that scene from Episode Three: uh, Attack of the Clon- I'm sorry, uh, Revenge of the Sith, when um the newly minted Darth Vader, you know, basically kills off the Geonosians and powers down the droid army. Mm-hmm.
0: Well,
1: so that's right. that. That's that exact moment. So. I forgot about that. So it's at this point, we now have an emperor. He's in control. Um, and Krennic offers uh, Galen a job researching the Kyger crystal. And um, these are the crystals that, and it's funny because I, I was listening to another podcast talking about this. These are the crystals that uh, have always powered the Jedi's lightsabers. <clears throat> That's pretty much all they've ever been used for. This idea that and that was introduced in Rogue One and then, of course, in this story is that these, uh, these crystals can actually be used for other things. They can be overpowered. They can be used as different weapons. Um, so that's actually kind of a new introduction to the whole Star Wars uh, um, lexicon, as it were. So um, he's like, you know, look, we want you to research these, these tiger crystals and see if you can get more energy out of them. So there's this new facility that's been uh, built on Coruscant uh, and he's studying these huge Kyger crystals that are, as it talks about them, they're not just crystals. They're, they almost, they're almost alive. They almost have a life force to it. And it's, at this point, Lyra starts to talk about her thoughts on the Jedi and their belief system. She's she's not strong with the Force by any means, but she understands kind of where they're coming from and uh, the reverence for, for these crystals. Galen just sees them as, you know, these really interesting crystals that he can possibly, you know, do a lot of research and the things with. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so uh, he takes the job out on Coruscant. Um The crystals start having an effect on Galen, and he starts to believe um, kind of the Emperor's reasoning for what they need to do. The Emperor, um, as he's being told, he hasn't actually ever met with the Emperor, but, you know, coming from Krennic, it's basically, you know, look, we, in, in order to keep peace throughout the universe, we need to be able to have a um cheap, reliable source of energy that, you know, we can take to other planets and, you know, that, you know, without having to fight over resources like that, it will definitely help keep the peace. Uh So I understand that point, you know, I understand why he kind of came around to that, that, you know, way of thinking, so. Um, let's see here. Um, but Lyrica Lyra is skeptical the whole, the whole time. She's like, you know, she doesn't trust Galen. Galen doesn't trust her. And he talks about the fact that, um, he's like, okay, I've kind of got to keep an eye on her because, you know, she's going to, you know, she may end up kind of ruining this whole thing for me. So, um, So now we're introduced to, I mean, we were already introduced to the pilot, the guy who saved them off of the planet. His name is Hass. Uh, He's showing up more prominently in here. Um, And uh, he goes on a mission. Lyra is uh, basically um, Galen talks, or not Galen, uh, Krennic basically talks uh, Lyra into uh, taking a job, on another planet where she's supposed to be doing surveying and looking for uh kyger crystals um Hass is the pilot that goes he's basically a spy for Krennic, um and he starts to have a um I don't know
2: existential crisis
1: yeah that's real yeah exactly um he starts questioning his his motivations his actions um and you know they they you know they talk about how these worlds are supposed to be protected and even though they're being strip mined and, and are basically imploding uh from the the from the empire is they look at it as you know they're doing what they need to do in order to build the death star but what it boils down to is they're just you know literally destroying these planets in order to you know suck out any resources they have to build this giant death star um so he decides to show her a couple of other planets that were supposed to be protected, but they've also been, uh, they've also been you know stripped out and are are basically wastelands now. So Lyra really starts to come to you know, uh, uh, she's really starting to cement her thoughts on you know, listen, everything is not what it seems. This is they are not doing what they're they've been telling us that they're doing. They're destroying worlds in order to do something, but we still don't know what that is. Um. Because at this point, everyone's still in the dark as to, you know, the idea of, of a Death Star of a super weapon. Um, so Lyra returns home. Um, Galen's distant and he can't talk about his work anymore because critics basically come to him and say, you know, look, um, you know, you're, you're doing super secret stuff. Even talking to your wife about this stuff is, you know, could get you in trouble. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta distance yourself. Um, I'm guessing it's the Kiger crystals that have kind of toyed with his mind a little bit because at that point I would be like, all right, so I can't talk to my wife about what I'm doing something. I mean, granted enough that I've ever been in the military or anything like that, but it's just like, Hmm, that's, that's not right. Um, Yeah. So uh the Empire plans on using smugglers, Hass in particular, to take over this small planet, uh, for its resources. Uh but Krennic knows Hass will betray him. Um so he, you know, um he tips he, you know, he tips him off or whatever, and he goes to this planet and he sends him kind of as a patsy because he meets up with a, yet another character that we meet. Um I, I think he's in the Clone Wars. I know he's in Rebels. Uh and that's uh Saul <laughs> Um, and he's and, in the the movie after Rogue One. Yes, and he's in Rogue One. So um, didn't have a huge part in the movie, but uh, we definitely get some more backstory on him here. So, um, so Tarkin is in the process of trying to uh, hunt down these these uh, smugglers and basically get stuck in a confrontation. And this was all Krennic's planning. He had uh, uh, Tarkin didn't know about this uhryik's plan was basically to uh, have i 'm uh, plan was basically to have Tarkin um, basically eat up all of his time trying to take over this small system and that 's what ends up happening uh, between hass and Sol uh, and some of the other little planets they're basically they call us a quag a quagmire, and you know Tarkin's basically stuck there. And all the time he's like, you know, what the hell is Krennic doing back at the Death Star? You know, I'm I'm the one who's supposed to be in charge of this. And, you know, he unfortunately (laughs) keeps, yeah, he keeps kind of, you know, worming his way in there. So Um, it's at this point that on a very large ship, Krennic has a pseudo somewhat uh, successful firing of the main weapon uh, that will eventually become the Death Star uh, laser. Um, so he ends up getting a promotion for that. And it's at this point, he knows in order to get this thing up to full power, he's got to get Galen on board. So Krennic talks to uh, Lyra, um, and, you know, talks about her, you know, side trip. He's like, yes, I know about that. Um, Galen does not need any distress, you know, basically, in so many words kind of threatens her to make sure that you're not causing any problems for the empire. Um, and of course not to trouble your husband with such thoughts, uh, which doesn't sit well. Um, so at this point she's pretty much set. she's, you know, she, she hasn't liked Krennic this entire time and now it's dead set. And now it's like, okay, well I need to start planning on how to get the hell out of here. If things go south really quickly, uh, because that, that's her type of character. Um, that's one of the things I really do like about her character is the fact that, um, uh, you know, she talks about how, uh, it's definitely different that she settled down, that she has, you know, a child now and that she's married and, um, one of her good friends in the, in the book, uh, you know, they were like, you know, both when we were young, we were like, yeah, we're never getting married. We're never having kids or whatever, you know, we're going to do whatever. And, um, but you know, she hasn't lost that, that, that side of her yet. She's like, you know, yeah, I'm married, I have a kid, I'm, you know, responsible, but, you know, if I need, you know, when the, hit, when the shit hits the fan, I can get out of here if I need to. I'm still a badass. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a badass, so. Because, um, you know, we didn't get any of that really, uh, you know, she just came across as defiant on, you know, in the movie, because we only saw her for that one quick scene at the very beginning. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, actually getting that backstory on her, I thought was really awesome, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Lyra's not able to talk to her friends she's not able to contact her friends at that point she knows stuff's really going south uh, Tarkin's slowly but surely starting to gain a foothold you know, in the, ba- you know, in the battle for the system um, Hass at this point wakes up to Tarkin uh, he was under attack Tarkin's there and basically tells him about Galen and you know working for Krennic so at this point Tarkin gets filled in on all the stuff that Krennic's got going on Uh, not happy about it in the slightest. He knew the guy was, you know, slimy and backstabbing him. He just didn't know to what extent. And now he has an idea of it, so. Um, And it's at this point, Jin is the one that finally snaps Galen out of it. He's, you know, he's just really into his work, and he just comes to a realization. He's like, you know, I have... I'm not doing what I need to do to be a good dad and a good husband. And, you know, I've put everything else above that. And that's, that's not me. And Jen ends up, you know, uh, snapping him out of that. So that's when we really start to see. I mean, we we saw his connection to her when she was much younger, this is when we start to see his connection kind of like what we saw at the beginning of rogue one, um, his affection towards her. So, um, and at this point, Lyra basically shares her concerns with Galen, and he's like, okay, yeah, I've kind of had my own concerns. Now I'm definitely cemented here. Yeah, Krennic is not good news, so on and so forth. Um, Krennic does show up, talks to him, basically deflects everything. It's at this point, Galen's like 100% sure stuff's not on the level. Um, so Galen, Lyra, and Jen all leave. Krennic returns, finds them missing, flips the fuck out. Um, and, uh, has used Tarkin and Krennic's rivalry against him. Basically he shows up, um, or, you know, he, you know, they think he shows up, they capture him and they're like, you know, you're, we, we know you're here to protect, you know, to, to pick up the Ursos. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. If they were here, they would be here right now, but they obviously are not. Um, Saul ends up showing up and, and help, helping him, you know, mm-hmm. get off the planet. So. Um, and at this point it's just kind of, it's near the end of the book and basically we just get a lot of other things getting wrapped up. Um, Tarkin basically takes over his new post watching over the death star, watching it being completed. Um, Krennic is basically at this point on his mad search for Galen, trying to find Galen so that he can finish his, um, you know, finish the main la- laser. Galen's departure is going to put, uh, uh, Krennic way behind, and even though it does technically hurt the Death Star, Tarkin's like, "Oh darn! I guess your plans aren't going to go through like you wanted them to." You know, <laughs> tough, tough for you. It's too bad, so sad. Um, and that's pretty much how the the book wraps up. Of course, we we would pick <laughs> up with the movie where, um, you know, the movie starts where Krennic finds Galen and 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 Lyra and, and Jen and. Hunts them down and, and you know, basically goes to him and that's when he, spoiler alert, kills Lyra and, um, uh, captures, uh, Galen and then Jen escapes. Uh, and then of course Saul comes back to, to help her. So, um, I had already asked this at the beginning of the movie. So yeah, after reading it, I definitely would like to go back and, and rewatch the movie. Um, I think it would add a lot to it, especially some of the, the, the the personal interest and, and, and backstory. We get a lot of stuff on Lear We're not going to get a lot of more stuff from the movie, but, um, it definitely explains, uh, Galen's motivations a lot more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Cause, Cause in the movie and you know, there's been a lot of debate on this is, well, if, if he was captured, his wife was killed in front of him, you know, why didn't he just like refuse to build the death star or, you know, yeah. to, to build the laser and uh they talk about that a little bit in the book they specifically said i think they said at one point that his his research is basically kind of laid out for the most part and he feels that it would just you know with enough time someone else would figure it out mm-hmm. so it's kind of like well i can either leave it out there so no one else you know so that they will eventually figure it out or i can go ahead and dig in and you know of course create the infamous you know, uh, uh, back door to blow up the Death Star. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on the book? I mean, I, I liked the characters. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like we talked about, I mean, we were confused even just during this, you know, discussion about the whole timeline in which all, you know, all this takes place. Um, I just had a hard time keeping track of where, when everything was, I guess to say,
0: yeah, there's a lot. It's a big universe, right? Like there's George Lucas has set it up, and and then subsequent people after to make it a very rich, wow. very diverse universe. So when you're reading these books or these comics, and you're or you're watching the TV show and doing the doing the movies, and it's so interconnected, sometimes it's really hard to keep track of where you are because it doesn't. None, it's all jumps back and forth. None of it's chronological, so you're kind of trying to remember things. Maybe you watched like a year ago or. You know, read books that you have read a long time ago and recall those characters. So it's it's a really vast and rich universe, but it's a little hard to keep track of when it's jumping around like that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and this is the first Star Wars book I've read since the expanded universe uh, became non-canon. Because cause I was kind of, you know, protesting and angry, at, you know, at Disney for that. But um, I have to say... I loved it, and I, you know, got sucked right back into it like I used to be, and it, you know, made me kind of miss being in that universe and want to to delve right in. But um, it's hard to separate everything I knew about the other timeline and storyline from all the new stuff um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, just give it all up. That, that That's my biggest struggle, reading these books and watching the new stuff.
1: So did you read a lot of the other Expanded Universe stuff? Because, I mean, I've read several books, um, but I've kind of mainly focused within the last few years of trying to stick to the more, you know, the stuff that's been declared canon.
2: Yeah. Growing up, I read Expanded Universe books all the time. And and that's kind of why, you know, when this happened, I had a really difficult time letting go and (laughs) accepting it. I mean, I was excited for Disney to take over, but altering the storyline, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Different thing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really difficult for me. And I haven't, um, read any of the new canon books since that whole takeover, um, at all. But, but I also haven't read any of the old stuff either. You know, I haven't really read a while, but, um, I think I'll get back into it now that I've kind of tested the waters and and they are kind of throwing us some bones and adding things in that, you know, previously weren't
1: canon. So. Yeah, they're kind of cherry-picking. I know, um, like I said, I've started watching The Clone Wars, um, mainly so that I can get through that and start watching Rebels, because I know Rebels has started cherry-picking a lot of stuff from the extended universe, like, um, mm-hmm. oh, my God, what is his name? The the blue Thrawn. alien with the red eyes. Um Thrawn. Thrawn, yes. I know they've reintroduced Thrawn. I don't know exactly how he fits in, but the fact that they cherry picked yeah. Thrawn, I'm like, yes. So And they wrote
2: a they let a book about him, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean. So uh, yeah. Um you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think one of the problems I had with the book was seeing the movie, you know the movie is build up to, you know, the prequel for for episode four. So that's where I just kept thinking, you know, timeline. It was, this is the the prequel to it. And like we just, you know, mm-hmm. we discussed this takes place during two and to into three, you know, over the course of episode three and, and so on and so forth. And it's just, you know, I, I'm glad to see that the universe keeps getting, you know, more and more interconnected. Um, but yeah, trying to keep some, <laughs> trying to keep some of the timeline stuff is
2: just, I think half the time I was thinking this was during episode four, you, you know, like, like I was thinking Leo was alive and it's like, no, she hasn't even been born yet at this point. And that was the thing that was throwing me off because
0: mm-hmm.
2: by the time we see her in the, the new movie, it's, you know, mm-hmm. a whole other mess.
1: <laughs> I like seeing Tarkin in it. Um, I liked him in the movie. I liked him in, you know, everything else that I've I've seen him in. So I like seeing him um, because in the movie it, uh, it, you know, it comes across. He basically just kind of shows up and it's like, okay, well, by the way, I know you've been working on the death star. uh, I'm taking over now. And, you know, that was one of the biggest points of contention for Krennic. It's just like, all of a sudden everything's been, you know, pulled out from under, you know, the rug's been pulled out from underneath his feet. Um, And, Seeing that they actually had this this back and forth, like like I said, you know, the entire uh, time through the book, they're constantly competing against each other, trying to one up each other uh, to get control over the Death Star, um, or at least you know to get to get the favor, to get the credit for building it and and having it run and everything. So, um, I like seeing that back and forth between them, so that you know, if I, when I watch the movie again, um, you know, maybe that'll come through a little a little better. Yes. So.
2: Mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting that the technology for the the weapon was developed so late in the the actual, you know, development of the, the Death Star. because
0: That's a good point.
2: It, yeah, when we see it in Episode 4, we just kind of take it for granted that they're so technologically advanced that they've had this stuff forever. But now we're finding out, no, they actually just a bit of figured a out how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a bit of a rush job.
1: And now that you say that it's it's interesting, it's like okay, so had the had the weapon not had they not gotten the weapon to work, I mean <laughs> basically they were and they even said that they're like, we're basically just building this giant spaceship that you know is taking a huge amount of resources that if if you know something happens to it, you know we're kind of screwed
2: mm-hmm. so
1: yeah.
2: and the sheer amount of resources that it takes the logistics just to build it. You know, you don't even think about that. And then it's like all of that just got destroyed in a matter of minutes, you know, when he blows it up and it, yeah. it's crazy to think they stripped entire to make this thing and then it's gone.
1: And I'm sure there's someone that knows something about the expanded universe and can probably tell, you know, answer this. And if, if you're list, if you happen to be that person and you're listening Shoot me an email or, you know, message me on Facebook or Twitter at Optimus Gene. Um, it makes me wonder, so when exactly did they start building the second Death Star? Because technically it wasn't completed 100%. But um, this thing was being built over a long period of time.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was just ready in like two years or something.
1: Yeah, it just seemed like it was super, yeah, it was super quick to get to yeah. get finished. So.
2: Yeah, it wasn't point. the other one much bigger. I don't remember if
1: it was big, bigger, but I know it was. It definitely wasn't anywhere near as finished.
2: I think it so, was bigger. Yeah, but yeah, they never finished it, and and then they built the you know the planetary weapon in Episode Seven that they just said, "Screw it, we're building it into the planet."
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which I've always had. You know, a lot of people have been like. <laughs> I I, You know, yes, back and forth wise, they were trying to make episodes... And I don't want to make this a whole discussion about that, but the whole thing in episode seven about, oh, well, you know, it's a giant planet weapon again or whatever. And it's just like, you know, the Empire isn't there anymore. Like they had... You know, and and it does talk about this in in the books that they had tons of resources and, and, you know, time and energy to put into the development of new weapons and, and, and new technologies and stuff. And, you know, after the Empire fell... Like literally you gotta go with what plans are already there and working. I mean that's why the TIE fighters are a little more advanced, but not yeah. like leaps yeah. and bounds and like, you know, yeah. hey, they built this giant weapon. What can what can we what little things can we improve on? <laughs> so yeah. although technically if you get really if you get really technical the the weapon and the seventh one was a different, but anyway. Um yeah. <laughs>
2: and it so, could all five planets
1: at once, uh, little things yeah. like that. <laughs> so um would y'all be down for reading additional Star Wars books?
2: I mean, you know I would, but I don't want to overwhelm the group. <laughs> <laughs> I you think, I, yeah, I
0: would. I think Ray would have to read it first, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me taking. <laughs>
2: taking. Maybe it we away. start with a simpler, like timeline or storyline. To, on the next one.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what will be. I'm not sure what would be uh, like another star Wars book necessarily. Maybe they, maybe if they did something for episode eight, like, you know, maybe a prequel or something to episode eight, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know. So, um, that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and reveal our next book. It technically is kind of a star Wars book, kind of, sort of, um, as we're recording this, it, it's been what not, it's been just over a month. Um, that we lost Carrie Fisher. So, um, we decided that our next book is going to be, uh, it's the princess diarist, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, we're going to be reading the princess diarist by Carrie Fisher. And it's basically her talking about all the escapades and background stuff that were happening, you know, while she was doing those, you know, that historic filming with, you know, these little movies called star Wars. So, um, it should be an enjoyable read. I, I I've, I've never read any of her books. Um, but I hear that they're, they're enjoyable. It's, de- it's her voice that definitely comes through. And
0: mm-hmm. so
1: looking forward to that. So if you, if you would like to read along with this, uh, for our, our, the next month for our next uh, book club meeting, um, we'll be reading, like I said, uh, the princess diarist by Carrie Fisher. So with that said, um, is there anything else you've been reading? Jen?
2: Um, I have just been reading a lot of magazine and newsletter articles, just trying to become smarter and more informed in this day and age. That's there you all go. I'll say. <laughs> what about
1: you, Chris?
0: Uh, no, I haven't been reading anything else because I've been lazy.
1: I've been watching a lot of television and what yes. little bit I've been reading. Um, I've mainly been reading, I, I got a, um, a humble bundle. Ooh, what is this? this was sometime, I want to say back in November, maybe even October, but I got a humble bundle that included a bunch of digital copies of, um, of, uh, uh um, the ghostbusters comic books. Mm. So I've actually been going through and reading those. um, Man, that that universe that universe is very very uh, well organized, and it like almost you know it's not it's not canon, but it is. It's almost kind of like one of those things like like the the idea of what's canon on that is stronger than even than you know anything pre to what Disney did. Um, because it's, it's funny the the game is the video game is essentially uh, the quote unquote unofficial third Ghostbusters movie. And, um, the books pick up right from there. Like the comics reference the, the character that was in the, in the movie, I'm sorry, in the game. Of course they reference everything that happened in the movies. Um, and you know, most of the people, you know, if you're going by, you know, what's, what's considered canon for, for Ghostbusters, the comic books are it. Like they're, whatever, whatever happens there, you know, is, is law. So, uh, that's been really fun reading those and, and, uh, you know, there's some offshoot stories here and there, but for the most part, it's, you know, they literally, one book picks up right from another. So, unfortunately, I missed a couple of, uh, like, there are a couple of the series that weren't included in the Humble Bundle that I need to go back and, and pick up. There's one in particular, uh, I think it's called The Ghostbusters Get Real, and it's an interdimensional switch, flip, whatever, where the... Uh, characters that are based off of the movie actually meet the animated characters from the cartoon series. And I'm like, that's a cool idea. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm hoping to maybe go back and read that, so. Uh- all right. With that said, uh we'll go ahead and just wrap up for this uh, month. Um, we should be recording hopefully at the end of this month, so the next episode I'll try to keep it posted. Uh like I said if you if you want to uh if you want to read along with this and and share your your share your thoughts, uh we'd love to hear them. Uh we'd love to hear your thoughts on the current book that we just read, you know. Uh, whenever I get this posted, make sure to to go to our our Facebook page and on the post, or you know, on our Twitter uh, account. You know, let us know what you thought about it. Did you like it? Was it uh, was it too dense? Did it uh, did it did it lose you at some point? Like timeline wise, like it did some of us. So, uh, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, if you would go to iTunes, Stitcher or Google music, wherever it is, you go to listen to, uh, this podcast and, uh, give us a five star rating. It really helps out. Also, I mean, let, let other people know, I mean, a lot of people like book clubs and, and, you know, are looking for a book club to join. And, you know, we'd, we'd love to have, you know, people joining us, reading these books. So, um, and then of course you can find our, uh, Individual wacky adventures online. Um, uh, Jennifer, where can we find you?
2: Um, Instagram at Het's Gonna Be Me. Chris? On Instagram at Lake Life Mama.
1: And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Optimus Gene. If you have any other book suggestions, please let us know. Have a good night.
0: been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.